Welcome back, everyone, to the latest episode of the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. And, uh, boys, normally I look forward to these podcasts because we just talk shit about Arsenal, but I guess we were just so poor on the day that we're probably going to be talking a little bit of shit about ourselves. But before we do that, I do want to know how your weekends went. So, Andy, I'll start with you, man. Um, I know you're going to bring up the Astros. But how was your weekend? Can you just skip this part? Sure. Sam, how was your weekend? <laughs> Andreas, go ahead. Andreas pulled an, uh, an Mbappe team of the week today in his weekend league rewards for all of you uh, ultimate team players. So he's having a good weekend. You're muted, Andy. Let's keep it that way. If you're going to talk about Astros, maybe you should be muted, actually. No, no, no. I was going to talk about the Mbappe thing because I had <laughs> I was having like what you're supposed to like say it's like a good weekend, right? I'll quickly go over the Astros thing. They won the World Series. That was pretty sick. Got my gear yesterday at Academy. It was fun to do the whole sitting in line thing. Um but you know, I woke up and then booted FIFA for a little bit before the game. Got Mbappe. I was excited. And then of course match happened and, and that's a totally different sentiment but Tom how was your weekend man oh wait I forgot to mention Longhorns Longhorns won too I'm telling you I was on a high on Saturday it was a great day for me and then Sunday came different story yep and Zach it's funny how, I mean you said to start it off that usually we you know get, are able to talk shit about Arsenal after these matches, but I think after this loss, it makes us one win, five losses, or one win and four losses in our last five against Arsenal. God. So, you know, even though throughout that time, we've been consistently the better team, except for today, um, they still are, you know, cause us a lot of trouble. I remember a couple of years ago, we were like, I don't know if it was last season or a year before that, when we were like competing for like top of the table. And after we lost to Arsenal, it was just like caused a huge like downward spiral. But like losing to a team like Arsenal, that should cause a downward spiral because it's like that shouldn't happen. But losing to Gabriel Jesus's eyebrows causes a downward spiral for anybody. Yeah, I'm hoping that the same doesn't happen this year. Yeah. Um, I do want to shout out LAFC really quick. They won their first MLS Cup too, which I think is way more breaking than the Houston Astros news. Yeah. Um, and he's going to keep banging on that drum, that Astros, or trash can rather. Um, yeah. <laughs> nice. But uh, anyways, I had, to, I had to throw in a little dig there. But yeah, I mean, let's just kind of get this over with. Because I, I do want to get it over with. <laughs> um, Chelsea nil, Arsenal won. Um, we started out in a 4 triple two, so we all got our wish from last week playing with a back four. Mendy returning to goal. Back four on starting from the right to the left. We had Dave, 
Chalaba, Thiago Silva as a center back pairing, and uh, Kukurea as a left back. Um, a midfield pivot of Jorginho and RLC. Um, wide attacking mids, I guess you could call them, were pseudo wingers um, with Mount and Raheem Sterling. And then Aubameyang and Kai Havertz up top. So, Andy, I'll start with you, man. Give me your thoughts on the starting 11 without harping on individuals too much. I mean, I saw this on paper and I thought it was the right setup for the most part. I mean, I would have loved to see, you know, a, a more strong midfield, but the back four was there. I thought we were going to have to play the underdog role here and, and kind of sit back and hit them on the counter, which for a lot of the first half we were trying to do. Um, I know we're going to get into the individual players, but our attack was just simply not there today, even though they had plenty of chances to create something from those counterattacks. Um, defensively, I thought the back four did great, minding that the that Arsenal is top of the table. And, I mean, they did their job. So if there's like a silver lining, I think that the back four project proved its worth in frustrating an opponent that's used to winning games comfortably. So, you know, overall, I think that's the one positive of the match. Lots of negatives in the other two phases of the game that for sure we're going to get into. But, yeah, I mean, for the most part, I agreed. What about you, Sam? Um, I think the main thing that concerned me, I mean, as far as, like, just overall, um, like, general big-picture things, like, last week, we, or last episode, we really praised the 4-3-3 formation. And it did seem at times like we were playing in a 4-3-3. Like, very few, like, it, it wasn't very frequent. It looked like Mason Mount was playing wide. Um, He wasn't playing in the midfield. And then you have the midfield pivot of RLC and Jorginho. It, it just, it, it doesn't look the same. It just, it, it doesn't suit to all the players' best qualities. And I think we're going to get into both of those topics shortly but i just wish that we had a different midfield uh composition and the as far as like a front three like i i wish maybe we played pulisic on the left kai havertz could have played a wide also but i don't know i just overall the the, the tack looked disgusting I was hoping that it would be some form of a 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3. Um, and I think at some points it might have looked like that, but overall, man, it was just so underwhelming. And 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 personally, seeing names like Aubameyang and Raheem Sterling time and time again on the team sheet just make me increasingly frustrated. Um, so maybe time for a little refresher. I know we're going to get into that in a little bit, but... Um, the main talking point on Twitter, and this actually pissed me off, seemed to be Graham Potter after the match. Um, it was basically a full-on meltdown from Chelsea Twitter. And I, I do want to read Andres's tweet that he posted after the match because he actually shares a similar sentiment to me. Um, it states the obvious for the idiots that don't understand. Um, so he said, 
people really going to point the finger at Potter. Tuchel lost his fullbacks and the tactics went to complete shit too. He had he at least had a completely healthy back three. Arsenal's ga- Arsenal's goal came from Kai's mistake for fuck's sake. Chill out. Andy, explain why you felt the need to post that tweet. Man, I saw a lot of revisionist history as soon as the match ended. People were acting like Tuchel didn't have patches of bad form. Like People are acting like the beginning of this season, we didn't get completely spanked by someone like Leeds and Southampton with this same exact group of players. And also, like people are very quick to forget that before the injuries started piling up and Reese James was healthy, it was all rainbows and butterflies. All of it. So, uh, yeah, I think that people are extremely reactionary because it is Arsenal and that just sort of boils your blood a little bit more. But it's November. There is plenty of time left in this season. Like, we have like a much stronger overall team than a lot of the teams that are still above us. So, no, I'm not going to freak out. And, like, try to compare, like, what Tuchel left to, to what Potter has now. Tuchel also had preseasons. Tuchel was going into his, like, officially second full season. He was on 2.5 at, at the time of his firing. Like, you can't compare and contrast. Oh, he got us to finals. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Potter is also undefeated in the Champions League, just like Tuchel was doing. The Europe and cup ties are different than the Premier League. And people just need to take a step back from their emotions because they hate Arsenal and realize that, like, we are a team in transition. And on top of that, we are very injured. So, like, the plan was always going to be a a Jose Mourinho-style match. And for crying out loud, the worst player on the pitch today fucking struck out on a clearance because there was nobody around him. And it fucked everyone on a corner kick. Like... Gabriel, whatever his last name is, because the center back didn't have to touch that. It was going to go in because Kai whiffed. Nobody was there to react to it because he was the front post man. All his job is to do is to clear a fucking ball. So, like, no, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, oh, I can't trust the process. It's game over. Is is Potter free of, of other judgments in this match? No. And I'll get into that. But to just completely outright say, oh, bring Tuchel back. Everything was so good when Tuchel was here. Like, <laughs> no, like, oh, quit trying God. to rewrite history. Like, yeah. it was getting toxic. Players weren't trying to play. It was getting, it was feeling like a regression. And, like, sure, it's a bumpy road right now with Potter. But we were trending upward until, like, three, four players went down with hit, with injuries. So, like, chill the fuck out. It's not May. We're not suddenly, like, completely out of a European spot. Like, chill. That's it. Yeah. And, and I'm going to double down on that because this is what Potter is basically dealing with. He has injuries to six starting players in our squad. Fofana, Koulibaly, Reese James, Ben Chilwell, Conte, and Kovacic. Now, I know Kovacic was on the bench, but homie's not fit enough to even start. So that's six out of the 11 potential starters for Chelsea out. Arsenal had a full-strength fucking squad. They had Zinchenko back. And they, had, they brought someone else back from injury. I'm forgetting who it was. But this was their best 11, and that's the point. Um, you know, not just their best 11 that gets me either. 
This is Mikel Arteta's team. He's been there for three years. He's had multiple transfer windows, and these are his players. It's not someone else's garbage. You can't just, like, you can't compare the two. And they're at different levels and are at different stages of their team's rebuild. Arsenal are the finished product, and we're far from it. We're just starting a, a, a new rebuild. So how the fuck do you expect a manager to come in, deal with another manager's fallout, also, they're trash, including the players that don't give a shit or don't even want to be there. And then the players that just don't have any balls or don't have any grit when they do get called upon to play and no transfer window. Oh, and I forgot to mention that he didn't even have a preseason either. So in my eyes, Grand Potter's done nothing but exceed the expectations. Like Andres said, I'm looking at the bright side. We're undefeated in Champions League. We saw signs early on in the matches, in the matches when we had a fully fit squad. What Potter's trying to do? Attacking football, the new patterns of play, um, you know, more fluidity with the with the with the front three or front two or whatever we're playing in that game, and this is just growing pains, man. Like this is exactly what Arsenal, Liverpool, even City experienced it to a degree under Pep. So, just understand this is all part of a process. Hiring and firing managers isn't sustainable. That's not a sustainable model for modern football either. You go look around the rest of Europe and they're building projects. They're bringing young managers, they're giving them time, they're giving them transfer windows, and they're giving them the resources that they need to rebuild the squad. And then if it doesn't work after two or three years, then they get the sack. That's when you can make the actual judgment. Not a judgment based on one performance against a team that's top of the league, who's a finished product, who's basically what we're trying to be in two or three years' time. It's just, it's, it's, it's fucking bullshit. So anybody that's getting on Potter's, on Potter's nuts about this and saying, oh, fuck him, Tuchel would have been, Tuchel would have won this game, no. Tuchel would have played a double pivot with Connor Gallagher and Jorginho in a back three, RLC at right wing back, and we would have gotten spanked four or five to nil. That's the bottom line. I'm not having any other argument. If Leeds yeah. could beat us 3-0 under Tuchel, Arsenal beats us 6-0. Tom, you have something to add? Yeah, you're speaking of players that shouldn't be here. Why the fuck? Like, what? Takim Ziyech should not even be allowed in the facility anymore. Yeah. The, what he posted on his story yesterday... You want to explain it up... for those of them that didn't see it? He posted, he posted a, a clip of his goal for Ajax against Chelsea in the Champions League. Mm -hmm. Okay, either A, he completely lacks any sense of social awareness, which I don't think is the case. Or he hangs B, out with Lukaku, so it could be true. <laughs> or B could also be true. He's a fucking prick. He's <laughs> an asshole. Yeah, and, and that's... I mean, I, I think the fact that he even made the bench shows how hurt we are and what uh, Potter has to deal with right now, what he's forced to deal with. Mm -hmm. Because I think if 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 we were we had the luxury of not playing him or not having him on our bench, we would do that. Get this guy the fuck off my team right now. I'm over him. One bad egg could fuck up a dressing room. Not just one bad egg. I mean. To add to his lack of self-awareness, Aubameyang was liking posts by troops after the match that were making fun of him and the Chelsea promo that said nothing personal. Like, bro, what are these players doing? Like, uh, that's okay, bro. That's just a little no, stuff. No, 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 no. I, I don't like that. This guy should like be getting back onto the pitch after the final whistle and taking 150 shots at goal. 
No, I don't not know about that, but I'm just like fucking liking an Arsenal players or, or, oh, or an Arsenal YouTubers here. tweet. Fuck that. Just message your buddy. If you're friends with troops, keep that off the media. Like you're gonna see it. We're gonna see it. Like yeah. that's just unnecessary. Like that's different. A like versus posting something on your sure. story. Completely but, uh, different. Troops, well, it's yeah, cancer, bro. The, there was that, but then there was also like the live, like one of the those guys, like troops, one of those Arsenal fan TV guys did a live where mm-hmm. he was talking about like having a bite to eat after the game and Obama Yang commented like, bro, you should have let me know. I would have come and eaten with you. Like it's not as bad as the Ziyech thing because Ziyech isn't playing and we know he's angry and he's just trying to like make something out of nothing. Out. Like he did point. the same shit with the Moroccan national team. Like there's a reason why he got iced out for a while. So like, we know he's on the way out. I'm with you. Some, he shouldn't be on the bench period. Like send his ass to the Academy, like just promote a kid from there. Um, but yeah. Home. Make him train yeah. with home. the U18s or make him train with the development squad. You Why does he anywhere near the anyone. first team? Don't, I don't want him near the, the kids either. What the hell? Bro, just it's send a, him home. He should just you know, do, the, do, the, do the all or nothing treatment of Obama and he practices alone. Honestly, fuck him. I could care yeah, less. Yeah, and about I think him. the situation's different. The Aubameyang versus the Hakeem Ziyech also is like Hakeem Ziyech didn't leave on bad terms with Ajax. He wants to go back. But Aubameyang left on really bad terms with Arsenal, and he doesn't want to go back. They wouldn't take him back. So it's not like, you know, him, you know, interacting with fans on Twitter is not going... It's, 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 it doesn't bother me. That, uh, Zia- that, that, that fucking promo was a joke. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the clip, like the behind the scenes of like <laughs> where they asked him to say the things, and he was like laughing at it because it was such a ridiculous promo. Yeah. But you know he's laughing at himself. You got it. You, you. It's okay. Sounds fine. The the Ziyech thing though, like I That's get bad. posted like this on this day X amount of years ago or whatever. But if you aren't trying to be an asshole, you can put a caption that says like, "Sorry, Chelsea. It's still one of my favorite goals." You know, like make it playful. Tag Keppa and say, "Remember when I got you?" Or you know, like make it playful. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And it was put anything. Yeah, but anyway, I think we're kind of getting way sidetracked. What were we talking about? Um, I think that was an important topic to discuss. Yeah, it, it needed to be said. It definitely needed to be said. Um, we did get a question in from Black Emoji. This is actually the first of the guy has like five or six questions in the pot, but he's an ultra. So, so shout out to Black Emoji. You're you're a real one. Good questions this week. He asks, "I know that Potter's being forced to make a meal with someone else's ingredients." But where is the spices, the herbs? Where's the sauce? <laughs> Sam, you're the resident chef of the podcast, so I'm going to pass this question off to you. What? <laughs> I, I don't cook at all. I have an air fryer. I think, we need, I think Chelsea, Chelsea needs to get an air fryer. That should, that, that, that's, the, it, that's the magic right there. Um, I don't know. I think it's what like, he's alluding to is more so the personality of the team. Because that's what seems to be lacking right now. I don't know if it's the personality he's talking about or the personnel. Because mm. the, 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 those are the ingredients of a meal. Like, the ingredients of a team, the makeup of a team are its players. Mm-hmm. So, I don't... I feel like this is something I, I want to talk about on the show. I feel like we haven't had this discussion fully on the show. 
the Raphael Leal rumors, you know, like it's been it's been a constant. It's been uh, I, I still see things about it like to this day, and I don't know if that is what we need right now. A player, you know, another attacking threat. Especially, I don't know. I mean, I, uh, we got in cuckoo sealed up. Apparently, he did his medical already. Right, and that's that's not going to happen till next year. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, realistically, Rafael Leal wouldn't happen till next year anyway, either. But right. this attack needs a major, major upgrade. Especially after today, it looked dead. Raheem Sterling looked awful. Um, I mean, and he's he's hasn't looked good for a while. We're gonna we're gonna I get to that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Well, without getting into the details, it. I don't know. What do you guys think about Rafael Leal? Like, I the prospect of getting him. We, it's just right now we don't have the identity for it. I don't think Otter really knows what he wants to do week in and week out yet. And just by knowing that, I don't even want to touch him with a 10-foot pole because where is he going to play? Left wing back? Like, what What are we going to do with him? I don't know. You know, we, we've played three at the back. We played four at the back. We played with two in the front. We played with three in the front. Like, it's just changed a lot still. So at this point, I don't think Lau is the point because in this match, nobody was getting the ball to the front. Like, as the match progressed, the front three got less and less of the ball. Mm-hmm. Leao is not going to give you the defensive work rate. And unfortunately, the midfield's not at a position where they can do so much work that the front three can chill out, as we saw today. So, no, I, I don't think Leao should be priority number one because, you know, you talk about like, oh, why should we get another attacker? I want to point out the fact that we haven't signed a midfielder since Kovacic. How about a, how about a backup right back? Right. I, I, still, give me... Put an academy kid at that point. Yeah. Like Reese was an academy kid. Lamptey was an academy kid. I'm sure we can find a fullback that'll do the job for now. But mm-hmm. we have not found midfield solutions. And we haven't even looked. Because again, Chukwameka was this year. He's a future guy. Like he'll be a role player, maybe get a few minutes here and there. But he's not a, a true signing for the first team. Kovacic, under Sari, that was what, 2018? At this point, yeah, that sounds right. Or 2019. I don't remember. But the point is, it, we're pushing on three, four years, six, seven windows where there's no midfield upgrade. None. And our midfield identity has changed three different times. It was a midfield three with Jorginho at the base. Then with Lampard, they tried the double pivot. Went back to a midfield three, but with Conte at the base. Then comes Tuchel. We go back to a double pivot with a back three. Now we got fucking potter doing a midfield three midweek and then we're back to a double pivot today so it's like it just makes no sense to to go for an attack right now when the midfield is such an issue that every week we try something different still because we can't seem to find a solution so i i agree with you and i'm actually going to ask ron's question because it ties into exactly what you're saying maybe you can add a little bit to it he goes i know we've had a ton of injuries but this is a derby for fuck's sake some of the players played like they got up to watch this at 4 a.m. like some of us did, which Sam and I on the West Coast, 4 a.m. kickoff. 
No, um, I didn't watch. I watched it later. I slept. Oh, in. smart man. <laughs> smart guy. Um, yeah, I wasted my morning. Um, he asked, "Does Potter need to experiment at this point and not play it safe?" So, Andy, I mean, this is tying into your question exactly. The constant chopping and changing. Is it just more of a matter of him find one system that works and sort of go from there? Because I was thinking about it today, and that's kind of where I fall on this spectrum. It's like instead of chopping and changing back three, four, two, two, four, three, three, four, two, three, one, four, two, four, whatever, stop changing it so much, get one system down first, and then from there you can chop and change players, and then eventually graduate and chop and change systems and make those little tweaks yeah. that you need to. Is he just doing too much? Definitely. I think he is. And, and it's starting to show, again, because when it comes to injuries, the quality of what you're, you're putting out is, is lower. So, so when the quality goes down, so does the football IQ. I mean, Reese James covers, he's like our modern Conte in the way that he covers a lot of the deficiencies on the side, right? So I think what he should be doing is, and what I thought he was doing, midweek, Tom was like, why the hell are we playing the start, the, these, this strong of a team? And I thought, okay, he is doing a tryout for the system that he's going to play and the, the formation he's going to play against Arsenal. What happens? He switched out of midfield three. Like, where is the cohesion there? Like, I understand that Potter is, is very, you know, intellectual. And he's like, oh, it's not about where they are placed on paper. It's about the thoughts of what we're doing with the ball. Yeah, I understand that sentiment, but... To learn what that philosophy is and to create that muscle memory, shouldn't you allow the players to operate in the same space for maybe three, four matches in a row? The three-man midfield was working. It was hiding the deficiencies of Jorginho's lack of athleticism. It was also giving help to the fullbacks who, at this point, aren't your starting fullbacks, so they do need the extra help. And, And so, like... Yes, positionally, they're in different places, but they're doing the same thing. Just keep it that way. We have two more matches before the World Cup break, and then hopefully a lot of players come back. There's a there's a chance that uh, Reese is back. There's a chance that... Am I mistaken to think that Fofana may be back this season? Yeah. No, no, he is. He's going to be okay, back. So Fofana may be back as of the World Cup as well. So, like, why... Like, if you know at this point... The, the tough is like the tough part is is I don't know truly like if if Potter has had enough time to figure out okay here's have a full report on everyone but you have an idea Mason Mount plays way better centrally than wide so why the fuck are we putting him at left mid again um, RLC plays better next to Kovacic not Jorginho why are we putting him next to Jorginho without the help of a third midfielder it's like little things like that don't make sense in my head so. I think he needs to cut doing all the crazy shit and all the like brainiac stuff and just stick to one formation so that the players can just get comfortable with his philosophy and how he wants them to play. And then when you get that part, the ideology, then sure, you can play quote unquote positionless football and line up in a 3-3-3-1 or whatever the fuck he wants to do. But for now, simplify it. Simplify it. You had no preseason and we're getting hurt. Make it easier because you're losing quality of players. So dumb it down a little bit, and then you can get complicated. Here's here's the thing, Andreas. The the part I where I disagree with you partly is that a 
this schedule congestion because of the World Cup. We have a lot of matches, multiple multiple matches every week. We have Champions League starting earlier than ever. Um, and also a lot of players are down. You can't play the same players every week, obviously. You have to do rotation. You have to ro rotate players. And the players that are rotating in now are of even less quality than before because our starters are out. So he needs to... He can't just stick to one system because he's inheriting a team and the players that he has might not necessarily fit the system that he wants to do. So I think that he ha has no choice but to adapt and change system match by match based on who he's going to select as the starting 11 that week or that match. Because, I mean, I, I agree with you. For certain things, he's getting wrong. Like the Mason Mount thing, he's getting it wrong. But it's really tough to stick to one one formation, stick to one system when there's so many matches to be played, there's so much rotation, and there's so many players out, so the rotation players are even lower quality than they should be. It's just tough. Like You can't stick to one one system, I don't think. Well, I mean, so, so hold on. So my, I guess my thing is like midweek we had a system. Like midweek we had a team. It was the four three one two with the wide attacker. So it was basically a four three three with Kai at false nine. It was there. You lose Ben Chilwell. It sucks. But Kukurea is more efficient in a back four anyway. So it's a plug and play there. Mm -hmm. and then we show up to Arsenal. And then you blew it up and switched back to a four triple two. That's that's what I'm talking about. Like I get it. If we rotate like we did against Wolves, where Ballistic, Gallagher, like all the other guys were coming in, sure. Adjust to those guys. But if we were setting up a team midweek as as like a okay, these are gonna be probably my guys for Saturday, what was the point of doing that? Like why didn't you just do four triple two then to do it again? Like we set up in a midfield three. We we worked in a midfield three. Mount was on the right hand, the right hand eight. And then come Saturday, he's way wide on the left. Like that's the part that's kind of crazy to me. And 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 sure, we have to adjust. And sometimes that may mean like Polisic plays as a right winger instead of a left winger. But again, you you can't you can't be putting these players in too crazy of a situation. Like Again, to keep using Mount as an example, right center mid in a midfield three Wednesday, left mid on a Saturday, on a Sunday. That's the part where I think he's doing a little too much of the tinkering. I agree with you, though. When you rotate seven players in a side because of the schedule, sure, adjust to them, let them succeed in where they're comfortable. But if you were thinking about playing similar players, keep it consistent at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and then he did. He sorry, no, sorry, Zach. One quick thing, no, then you can it. go. And he did play pretty much the same players. The only change was Kukurea in for Ben Chilwell, and then RLC in for um, Zakaria. So he could have he could have done what you said. Yeah, exactly. But but like here, he, he, speaking of, well, we're gonna get into him in a little bit, actually. Why why don't we just get into the midfield because you bring up Zakaria and that's. <sighs> 
one of my frustrations about this game is that we didn't see him whatsoever. And and I thought he what could a have tease. Helped. Yeah, I know. Um, but anyways, I do want to talk about Jorginho and RLC specifically. I think this was the worst midfield display all season. Um, and, and again, I'm not saying this to be down on the guys, but the proof is in the pudding. They were caught in possession. There wasn't enough grit or physicality. Just a complete incapability of linking with the attack. Um, and then, of course, the defensive side of things, which was just a joke. There were two traffic cones. Um, Tom Ashdown asked us an interesting question. He said, they look like a scared bunch. RLC with one of the worst performances in recent times. He summed up the way the team played. Scared, coasting to get the match finished. Um, whoever's cursor is there is blocking the next few words. So it's more interested in Instagram than actually fighting for the shirt. There we go. <laughs> yeah. And he said, football <laughs> used to be a good sport. So... Again, I mean, we kind of talked about it already in terms of the team selection here, but um, just kind of give me your synopsis, I guess, of or at least the logic in Potter starting Jorginho and RLC as opposed to maybe giving Zakaria some minutes or um, you know another midfield player that you know could have slotted in there and made us a little bit more solid. Uh, Andres, I'll start with you. I think it was just naive and uneducated. At this point, we know as fans, because we've seen it now for three, four seasons, Jorginho in Europe is a different player than Jorginho in the Premier League. It just, it's different. It He needs a lot more help when it comes to the top six sides in the Premier League. And I mentioned this in the preview, Arsenal overloads the midfield with athletes. Jorginho was never going to be able to to get the space and time. And ROC does not know how to get himself out of trouble in a double pivot. So to to com- to combine those two just felt like a, a recipe for disaster. Because, again, just because Jorginho is killing it in Europe, those are different styles, right? Champions League, we don't see an English side till the elimination rounds. Italy plays different. Obviously, we had a Croatian team and an Austrian team in the group this year, but they play slower or if they play sort of like hardcore pressing, it's only in bursts. So the skill set of Jorginho can come in there. Um, RLC in Europe also feels like a way more imposing figure physically than he does in the Premier League where everyone is physical. So... Again, I think it's a little bit of an uneducated move. I think perhaps he thought, okay, Zakaria's not match fit. I had to take him out in the 70th with what looked like a potential, like something could have become an injury. So maybe that's what happened there because I really don't have another explanation as to why you move out the guy who was arguably our man of the match and was so easily put into a Champions League situation and and played at such a high level. So that's the only thing I can think of. He's naive at this point still with the squad and and something must have happened with Zakaria where like this could have risked risked him for the long term and and we're just not in a position to continue to risk players much like why Kovacic didn't start today. So that's the only thing I've got. I I really don't get 
why <laughs> we wouldn't yeah, I mean, have it. You said the Kovacic part that that explains why Jorginho started. I think that with with no COVID with Kovacic hurt, like it's it's gotta be a no brainer, Jorginho. I don't know who else would start in his spot. Um maybe maybe a Gallagher. Maybe we can see a midfield three of Gallagher, Ruben Loft's cheek, and Mason Mount. Zakaria. Maybe it was too soon to like start him in this big of a match. You know, after one good performance against a very weak Dynamo Zagreb. So I don't know like how much different of a selection he could have made. Wait, Salm, let me go on a quick tangent tangent, because you just said a very weak Dynamo Zagreb team. But if you look in the internet, they're gonna tell you things were fantastic under Tuchel, and and I guess we never lost to that Zagreb team under Tuchel. You know, team was healthy and we didn't lose to Zagreb. I guess you know revision is history again. Well, but we sorry. did. Yeah, I I honestly think the fact that Tuchel had to make those quotes in uh, in India about being in India, I think it just tugged at some Chelsea fans' heartstrings and made them really sentimental this week. It's pretty sad, man. All these quotes that are coming out, like. Depressing. Dude, dude is down bad. Bro. He is. I, really I, I miss those bad. quotes. I'm not gonna lie. I think the World Series got me distracted because I, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. But you know, he's said, like he's in India right now, like on a spiritual journey, pretty much. Yeah. Right. He's uh. Damn. He's discovering himself. I'm trying he's to look down him up bad. right now. Poor yeah, guy. because it's funny because I'm seeing all these quotes and the sources like. New Delhi news, you know? And I'm like, what? What is he doing out there? Damn. Oh, God. I don't, oh, don't want to laugh at it, but it is pretty sad. I love Tommy. Yeah, um, yeah I love the man. But, I mean, yeah. I'm, for me, my frustration was with the Zakaria thing more than anything. Regardless of whether the guy's healthy or not to play a full 90, at least give him the first hour. At least give That's him it. the first half. Play him however many minutes you can. Like, at this point in the season... We need to be fielding our best players. That, but I'm that's sorry. the thing, Zach. It's it's like the first third of the season. So are you going to risk the one guy that can maybe be the DM solution today because you want to rush him instead of giving him another week's rest to prevent him from just getting fucked I, the rest of the season? I'm sorry, but I don't know what the risk is because all the talk after last match was that how he picked up a knock. He got kicked and couldn't continue because it was a dead leg. So... There's no injury risk with a dead leg. It just fucking hurts. That we know, that's what they call nice it in the, in the moment. A little shot before kickoff, and boom, you're back on the pitch. It could have I mean, been maybe that I'm in the moment. Because I grew up watching Kobe Bryant. And that or guy or it's the fact that everything. like in the moment they thought it was that, then he trains all week, and it's like, oh no, this dude's kind of like not doing his thing. Set him against Arsenal. It's just three points on the table versus not having a single DM for the rest of the year. Like... I don't know. At the end of the day, like, if you tell me that th- for Newcastle he's good to go, I'm f- I'm fine with it. And like, if you start. tell me that that for Newcastle he's on the pitch healthy and can give us close to 75 minutes, boom. That's all I needed to hear. He was rested because truth is, maybe he felt his calf tighten a little bit, and and that's why we pulled him. Maybe, yeah. And and I don't know if maybe I'm the only one that that thinks this, but. 
every time I see a midfield of, you know, some combination of Jorginho, RLC, plus one, I always think to myself, like, a majority of this midfield isn't even going to be here in two or three years' time. Like, they're not part of the long-term plans. Jorginho is not part of a long-term plan. I don't think RLC is either in that respect. I think guys like Chukwemeka are going to pass him up in no time. But then you got guys like Conte when he comes back. Like, I think that's the frustrating part for me. And it's not just the midfield. There's guys all over the pitch that I just don't see here being long-term. So in defense to them, why the fuck should they try any harder than they are? You know what I mean? It, it just, it kind of, kind of blows. I get that feeling about Aubameyang too. I, I, I just get the feeling from him that he's going to be off. He's going to fuck himself off the PSG in the summer. And honestly, know, and it and might I, be for, it's for the best. This is a good little point before we fully transition to the attack, because I was thinking about this earlier because we're getting to a point where like, as, as we get closer to the January window, and the DOF potentially getting signed and all this, we're now going to be thinking about next season, right? As things are happening this season, we also have to think about the next one and the next window because that's when it's going to be Potter's first window. If these mercenaries, like Tom Ashton is saying, they care more about their Instagram continue, start, like, put out a kid that's going to mess up, but that's going to run the 90. If Raheem Sterling is not going to do anything, bring on Omari Hutchinson. If Obama Yang is is more worried about grabbing Nando's with troops after a fucking game, then play Broja. Like, yeah. start doing that because those guys are part of your team. Not maybe they're not ready this very second, but they are gonna be a part of it next year. So they're gonna give a damn. They're gonna try a little harder. There's gonna be a point in the season where those decisions have to be made. Mm-hmm. I, I think like before we get to the point where it's like the academy players. I think. You know, Pulisic is there. I think Broya is already with the first team and he's getting minutes almost weekly. Like, there are options there in, in the midfield. Gallagher instead of RLC. Like, yeah. there are options that are a little bit different than what you may be wanting in the long term. But for the now, putting out a guy that wants to be there can go a long way. And mm-hmm. and if, if RLC is scared or whatever, Zakaria, if he's healthy, can jump in. Like, there's always going to be somebody there. I'm, I'm, it has to go back to a meritocracy, like fully. And I don't know mm-hmm. when Potter is going to feel comfortable enough to start doing that because players like Raheem Sterling, who have now had like a string of six games where they've been trash, need to see the bench. Yeah, and I now that I think there's a good spot to kind of transition into the attack because you bring up a good point. It's it's. Stop, it's time to stop playing players purely based on past reputation and what they did. What are they doing for us now? I think that's a bigger issue. But um, before we get into that, guys, I mean, if we're going to continue a midfield pivot, who, who's your pivot moving forward? I don't want to pivot. Assuming that the squad is completely healthy. I don't want to pivot, honestly. We saw the three. We saw how good it looks with just adding one defensive guy. Mm-hmm. Stick to a three. If, if Jorginho has to be the middle of the three, put two hard workers next to him. Zakaria, Mount, Gallagher, Zakaria, Gallagher, Mount, Gallagher, Kovacic. Do something like that because we can't run a back three. We don't have the wing back depth for it. Continue mm-hmm. to run the back four and give me a midfield three. For the now, that's what you have to do. 
Like, I, I don't want to pivot right now. You, I don't want to pivot unless Reese James is back. Simple as that. Yeah. Ditto. Well, that answers that. Um, let's talk about the attack. I mean, we brought up Raheem Sterling a little earlier. I've been harping on this forever. He was awful again. I mean, yes, he scored against, uh, against Zagreb. Great. But the man is still completely incapable of retaining possession. He's showing zero interest in taking his man on 1v1, which is what made him so great um, in his breakout years. Kai Havertz, again, ineffective, regardless of his recent form. Um, I, I don't want to spend any time talking about him because I'm kind of fucking over him, honestly, guys. Um, and then Aubameyang, I mean, he just hasn't been good for us for a while now. Let, let, let's be completely honest. It's... It's time to talk about all three of them. And, you know, with Aubameyang, you do all that shit talking and you only touch the ball eight times. And then now you want to, now you think you deserve Nando's post match. You know, <laughs> if anything, you barely deserve a fucking Happy Meal, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, he's looking like Lukaku 2.0. On oh, the pitch. God, so on the pitch, I, on the pitch, on the pitch. I, I don't no. know. I think credit, give a little credit to Arsenal's defense. I think they were just really good today. But in terms of like, you talk about being done with Raheem, like he's here for a little bit at least. We just signed him. Kai, on the other hand, I mean, at this point, I hope Germany, I'm a big Germany fan anyway, so I hope Germany balls out because I just don't think he's a fit. I, I, I'm getting to a point where I just don't think we're going to see the Kai Havertz we thought we were signing. And I think it just comes down to the league. I There's players that just, unfortunately are not built for this place like and, and it goes other ways right like eden hazard premier league legend in la liga it just didn't work out i havertz youngster on the track to ballon d'or and bundesliga just not cut for the premier league it happens we've Players seen that story different. before it just happens like some yeah. people just can't transition and i think kai havertz may be just one of those people at this point we, we He's have easily like a... the most underwhelming name in our starting 11. For me, when I see his name on the team sheet, that's the one name that sets me over the edge and makes me go, fuck. Are, you, are, see, are, are we actually doing this again? The thing is, is like the potential is there and we see the flashes, but like he doesn't have, maybe it's like he doesn't have the mental fortitude or, or he doesn't have the work ethic to put on the pounds to, to adapt to the physicality. So like... I think that one we need to cut our losses and, and move on from while his value is still high because he's young. Raheem Sterling, and, and some, honestly, he, he made the point at the very beginning, like he's not the guy. And I'm trying to think like, well, damn, like he's not the guy, but he has all these numbers. And it's like Raheem Sterling is the kind of guy you want at the end of the final pass. He's not the guy that you want to build up your attack through. Like if you think of the, the time, his time when he broke through at Liverpool, or or think of his highlights at Manchester City or even for the English national team, he's not dribbling up and, and taking players on. He's at the end product of it. He's doing his work without the ball. And when he did do his little trademark, like, oh, cut inside and shoot, it was at the receiving end of the final ball when there was a big switch or a big through ball where he's then just one-on-one -on -one right before the goal. So, again, like, why did it? Why was it looking good with Tuchel earlier? Because everyone else was doing the build up, and then when Raheem got the ball, he was 
high up the pitch and all he had to do was finish off an attack. And that's why we saw Raheem succeed under Tuchel versus what we're seeing now under Potter. I, I just don't think he's got the the playmaking ability. It's more of a, he's got more of an eye up for, a, I don't want to even say eye for a finish because he's not good at finishing, but he's in the right place to finish. I mean, and then, I'll, I'll give you an example. I'm just looking up stats of Raheem Sterling um, last season at Manchester City. We played Manchester City on January the 15th. Marcus Alonso was starting at left wing back, who's obviously a weak point for us. Sterling attacked him directly and completed four dribbles against him in one game. Torched us. But, but that's my question. Is like, where is he receiving the ball? Like, is he being asked to drop deep in a four dribble two to come get the ball in midfield in transition? Like, no. Man City's midfield does that. Their fullbacks do that. And then he's getting the ball running at the defender already. Like where mm-hmm. we haven't seen, we haven't given them the chance to do that for us. He had to come back. He was basically, Mason, he was in a Mason Mount role today. And that's just not who he is. And I'm not giving him an excuse. I think he just needs to be benched outright. But again, I think that's where like, going back to the Potter thing, play the 4-3-3 and let him stay high. He even said like, oh no, Raheem's not playing wing back. It's like, well, then why is he receiving the ball in a wing back position you know yeah those things those things do matter at the end of the day it's like why was Pulisic not good under Tuchel because he was receiving the ball way deep with his back to goal and then now we see him under Potter attacking the goal and it's different so yeah I I think the three of them need a break whether it's while we figure out what, how to deploy them or, or what not but I can tell you right now I'll be way more excited to see Broja, Pulisic, those guys be on the team sheet for the next match because these three guys, man, we Garbage. could have scored. We could have we could have capitalized once in the first 25 minutes in this match when it was 0-0. Yeah. And, and Kai was a walking turnover. It was awful. Aubameyang, you said it, touched the ball eight times. He can't be at fault for Kai not giving him two tap-ins, but he also didn't impose himself. So front three were just and like arsenal had two pretty big mistakes from the back line there was one time where saliba lost the ball and nabamiang recovered it like right in front of the goal and then there was the time with zinchenko um with aspie turning the ball over yeah yeah that was dave who you're right yeah dave was the one who recovered the ball and he got a foul um but yeah, I want to add Mason Mount to this list as well if we're going to talk about attacking yeah. players because he did play more well, of an attacking role. Let me ask you this question first, and then you could kind of bounce off the Mason Mount. Black emojis question? Yeah, another black mm-hmm. emoji question. He asked, what happened to Mason Mount's resurgence? And what he's referring to mm-hmm. is the past Let's couple match, matches man. where he's actually looked pretty damn good. Well, he played in his natural position, right? He played yeah. in the midfield. Exactly. I don't know. I think I think Graham Potter, after this match, finally learned Mason Mount is is not a forward. Winger. He's not yeah. He's yeah. not a winger. He's a midfielder. He should be playing as an eight, as in ten, and on rare occasions against very low low level competition, he can play out wide maybe, but. That's not his. That's not a strong suit. 
Ron actually, well, uh, before I move on, I, I just want to add something to the, to the mount point also. I think the fact that we keep chopping and changing his role in the team is really fucking with his game too. Similarly to Andres's point about Raheem Sterling. If you're asked to be to, to do something completely different week or game in and game out, I don't even want to say weekend because we're playing twice a week. They're basically being asked to play two, three or four different positions across two matches, which doesn't make any logical sense if the team doesn't have an identity, which we don't. There isn't a fallback plan. There isn't like, okay, we can always shift into the 3-4-3 and play it safe. We can always shift into the 4-4-2 and play it safe. We can always... We have this formation that we know works, where we can put guys in their positions to where we where we know they can succeed. And then if it doesn't work, it's just not our day. And for me, we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot in two ways. I mean, the players are doing it to themselves because the performances have just been awful from you know the names we just mentioned. But then also the Graham Potter situation where you're the man responsible for, for putting in place a system, a formation, whatever. Stop changing it up so often and just let these guys have a consistent run out three, four, five matches in the same position so they can pick and choose their spots and find out what exactly their role is by playing themselves into it. If you're chopping and changing things constantly, there's zero identity. And I was going to mention this earlier in the pod, but I mean, just go rewatch the game. It's impossible to tell what we were trying to do in the attack. I, I had no idea if we were trying to get in behind. I had no idea if we were trying to have one forward drop in deep and then kind of play off the other striker. I had no idea if Mason Mount and Sterling were trying to cut inside and attack from up the middle. It was all over the goddamn place. And, and, and that was my issue. And I think that's my problem with a lot of these attackers is like, yes, on one hand, they're being placed in positions where they're being asked to do something different night in and night out. But which one of these guys is going to step the fuck up and say, I'm going to grab this game by the scruff of the neck, and if it doesn't work, it's going to be on me. Like a Broja does. Like a Christian Pulisic does. Like a Connor Gallagher does. So that ties in with the next question I have here from uh, Wait, hold another on, hold one. On. Yeah, real quick, real quick, before we move away from Black Emoji's question. So, so mm-hmm. he's talking about what happened in the resurgence, right? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. under Potter... When we beat Crystal Palace, Mount was still looking like shit, right? That was before mm-hmm. the resurgence. It was a 4 triple two, and Mount was at left mid. Then begins the Mount resurgence with the AC Milan game. He deployed a 3-4-3, but Mount was a 10. It was a 3-5-2, excuse me. Mount was a 10. Central position, we win 3-0. Next match, Mount starts again in a 4-2-3-1 in the 8-10 hybrid roll, two assists. We go back to Milan. Go back to the 3-4-3. Mount plays the 10 again, assist, and earned a penalty as well. And we go to Milan, uh, to Villa. Villa, we re- deploy a 4-2-3-1 again, where Mount is kind of an 8-10 hybrid. What did he do there? Two goals. Like, and then what changed? We started fucking around with everything again. 0-0 against Brentford. That was just a bad game. He, I, I, can, I really don't know what to say there. Against United, that's where things already were the injuries, right? We had Aspie, Chilwell instead of, like, we didn't have our guys. And then we haven't put him in the 10 since. Like, we have not seen Mason Mount in the 10 position since those games. So, yeah. 
And and you know what? The, the same point goes to Havertz, where we said his he looked best playing off of a striker, just underneath the striker in that hole. I didn't see that. Like for me, it looked like he was playing off of the left for most of the game. I mean, so it was like, full, again, full. he's being asked to do something completely different to what worked previously. Just it doesn't make sense. But yeah, to, just just black emoji. It's just Mount's not playing centrally. We were we played him centrally, and he started balling out again. We moved him back to the sideline. You limit his game. It's yeah. it's that simple. Yeah, I think that, that that same argument could go for a lot of players within the team. Um, but another question from him, he asked, if the players are the problem, then what vibes did we spend $300 million on? Potter drastically shakes up the first team as it seems like a majority of the players feel like they're guaranteed starters. More starts for Broja, Chukwameka, and others instead of bench appearances. Now, he brings up the point that I mentioned earlier. Broja, Gallagher, Pulisic, he brings up Chukwameka too, which I think is a great, great shout. I mean, what kind of impact could those guys have on a starting 11? Because I look at a guy like Broja, Gallagher, and Pulisic specifically, those three. When they come on, they take the game by the scruff of the neck, and they try to force things to happen, which is not always a good thing. But in our current situation, we're dying for that. So, Sam, I'll let you take this one. Starting off with Chukwameka, um, first of all, he was injured. He couldn't play today. Mm-hmm. So, you know. We'll just rule that out. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, we haven't seen enough of him from him to, like, make that determination that he's that type of player, Zach. I I don't know where you're basing that off of. Like, maybe... The Brentford it, cameo, probably, where he came on with, I mean, like, 30 minutes left, and he... Yeah, that's, he that's was... 30 minutes. To, to be fair, to be fair, like, I'm thinking more Broja, Pulisic, Gallagher because they've had a more yeah. consistent impact. But Chukwameka is a good shout, I guess. Broja, I can see. I mean, every time he's on the pitch, he's he's running, you know, 100 miles per hour, 100% effort. Um, and, and I like what I see from him. The Pulisic thing, I mean, he's got to be shit at training because... When he plays, he looks decent. I mean, he he came on today, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, like I I remember like when the match ended, thinking I didn't even remember a single like mm-hmm. second of Pulisic on the pitch. So he did not make himself useful today. Um, but I don't know what this question, what he's talking about when he says drop. Potter drastically shaked up the first team. Oh, he's saying he's, he's saying should he? he, sh- he should? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. He's saying like based yeah. on like the shit that was displayed today. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Do you start seeing more of these players? I mean, I think if anyone, Gallagher, he's he's a player that I can see get more more playing time. Broja, I could see him getting more playing time simply because. They both have shown quality. The other players, they should be getting, you know, some starts here and there. But as far as like Gallagher and Brogia go, I think that it's a very, there is a situation where like by the end of the season, our best 11 could include them. But I think it should as of right now. Here's here's my frustration with Broja, and Andy, maybe you can touch on this a little more. It's, 
I've noticed that whenever we do see a Broja cameo, he's getting thrown up top by himself. Why not start him in a front two and let him play off of someone, just like he did at Southampton, where he made a name for himself last year? I mean, give him a shot at a start. Let him play with you know, a Havertz or an Aubameyang, somebody that he could bounce off of, and just see what happens instead of starting the same fucking front two or front three every match. I mean, I, to me, it's more of like, just let him start with the starters. Like, mm-hmm. the one time he scored, who passed him the ball? It was Kovacic, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then this midweek match when he came on, he was deployed as a wide right forward, almost a right winger. And it's like, see, that's where we're, we're trying to get too cute, right? You left Kai centrally, or you no, you put Gallagher where Kai was, and then you're putting Broja way off to the right. It's like... Just again, keep it simple. Like we were killing it with the four two three one. That's almost like a four three three when you have Mount or Gallagher at the quote unquote ten, just operating centrally. Like why, why force someone like Broja who can be a threat centrally all the way out wide? Like he's fast, but he's not agile. You know, like he, his job is not to do any of that. Um, I just want to see him get true first team minutes with the true starters. Um, Chukwameka, I think, again, that's another player that needs the midfield three. Gallagher needs a midfield three. Uh, Pulisic, honestly, at this point, I'm I'm just kind of tired of, of thinking that he's going to get a start. Tom alluded to it. I don't know what happens in practice for him just to not get chosen. And then if the attack is that dire where... It's not going to be Sterling. It's not going to be Obama Yang. It's not going to be Kai. Pulisic's not trusted. I'm going to keep banging the drum of Mari Hutchinson. There's a reason why Arsenal was sad that he left, and there's a reason we paid the $3 million to get him this summer. The kid so far in the academy likes to take on the pressure of being the playmaker. Why not? Um, yeah, I, I expect especially with Broja. That's the one name that I think can have the quickest path to like the starting 11 because he is a striker. And if he scores, he has to play. Um, that's the name I want to focus on because he gives a fuck. The number, like the, if, if he's on the pitch, I know my number nine is going to be working off the ball. And, and I appreciate that as a fan, that I can tell that he's going to fight, that he's going to be running, that he's going to be selfless with the amount of energy that he's putting in. So that's the one name that, that really stands out for me. And with Broja, I always mention the Diego Costa comparison, but you, you talk about how comfortable you feel knowing that you know what you're going to get out of Broja when you play him. I had a similar comfort, or at least comforting feeling, when Diego Costa was playing for us because I always knew if he's going to start, there's going to be physicality, there's going to be shithousing, and somehow, some way. If somebody else doesn't even create a chance for him, he's going to find a way to create a chance for himself. There's going to be at least one of those a game. And I, I don't know. I just feel like with, with, with Kai and Aubameyang, it's a hit or miss. It's either Kai's going to come in and score and look like the best player on the pitch, or he's going to be the worst player on the pitch. And same thing goes with Aubameyang. He's going to come in, do nothing for 90 minutes, get one chance and score, or he's just going to do nothing for 90 minutes. It's You can't have... Just the a set, none of those guys could present a seven out of ten every week, and that's my point. And I feel like Broja at his worst is a seven out of ten, which I mean, I feel like if we had a seven out of ten striker in this game, it would have made 
a world of a difference, but that's beside the point. Last question from Ron here um, about the Arsenal match, and then we can move the fuck on. Um, he asked, Sterling and Aubameyang, two Tommy Tuchel signings. In hindsight, have these been bad buys, knowing we were getting rid of Tuchel and the holes we have in midfield and wings? I mean, he asked a pretty damning question. Let's just kind of give a as-of-right-now answer. So yes or no, Sam, Sterling and Aubameyang, bad buys? Aubameyang was necessary. We needed a striker desperately, and we weren't sure about Broja. I'm still... I think he's good, but I don't feel I don't feel the same way that you do about him. Sterling, I never I never got it in the first like I just never got it. That's fair. Yeah, even the beginning, speaking against it from the beginning. Yeah. Um. Well, it'd be nice to actually play these guys in a four-three-three consistently. I'd like to see what that may look like. Like, I don't want to see wingback Sterling, and I'd like to see Aubameyang with people to his sides because that's when he was scoring because he gets to be a poacher, which is what he's yeah. supposed to do. So, again, I think when the tinkering sort of settles down, we'll be able to tell. As of right now, I think. We're stuck with Sterling, so I hope that one turns out well. Aubameyang, we always knew was going to be a one-year, maybe two-year sort of thing because we just there wasn't just wasn't a market for strikers. So again, I I just want to see him be a poacher. I I don't care if he's not super involved in the buildup as long as he puts the ball in the back of the net with his like ten touches a game, whatever he he will average out to be. Um, they were definitely Tuchel signings. We saw how Sterling was being deployed centrally. We understand that Tuchel was, had a great relationship with Alba. I just don't think like that narrative really matters at this point. Um, yeah. So I don't know if they're... I, we got Sterling at a, at a discount based on the fact that he's English and stuff. So value was decent. I just don't know if the investment's going to pay out. And then Aubameyang, we just got rid of Alonso. So I'll take that. I mean... Money business wise, they were wins. It's now just let's get them firing again. Aubameyang started off well. He needs to just get back into it and and again tinker less. Don't put Aubameyang wide. He's not lightning fast anymore. He's still fast, but he's not the winger Aubameyang anymore. Let him be a fox in the box. He needs service. Just tap him in. You just need yeah. to tap him in. Like play with true wingers. Have some width because right now we don't have wing backs. So again, maybe that's the other thing. Reese James was the guy on the right and Chilwell was the guy on the left and they were providing the width. You need to find width elsewhere now. Play wingers. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you guys have anything else to add about this Arsenal match? I mean, could we could we bury it? Could we never talk I, about it again? Kai Havertz needs to pay for everybody's freaking meals for the next week with that shit clearance on the front post. I'm still incredibly upset about that. Kukurea's hug. I, I missed that. You didn't oh, see God. him? He was boozy hugging. Don't don't rewatch it, Andres. Don't waste your time. <laughs> it's really funny, honestly. He that on that goal, he was literally standing there giving a hug to I think it was Granite Chaka. Like literally just holding on to him. Dude. Was it Chaka? I don't wanna I don't wanna I don't know. I don't Even know if it was, was, why is he marking him? Um Chaka's had a good him. season. Yes, well, he's having an amazing season. 
Yeah, yeah. Fuck him. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, we can just kind of wrap up the Arsenal preview with fuck Arsenal. I hope that... Uh, they I was going to say, I hope, their, I hope their team bus crashes. We I wish I could say that wasn't true. Yeah, I hope they all stub their toes really hard. Yeah. Um. Anyways, we do have uh, an easy fixture coming up next against Man City away in the Carabao Cup on Tuesday. Easy, Dub. That's cake. easy peasy lemon squeezy, baby. Um, look, I'm just happy that this is a Carabao Cup tie and not a league tie. Because if we had to play Man City and Newcastle back to back in the league, after dropping, you know however many points in the last three or four league matches, I mean, it's, that that's pretty much done and dusted for our Champions League hope. So I'm looking here at City's lineup uh, from this weekend. They did play Fulham. Um, they won 2-1. If you guys didn't see it, Holland scored a last-minute penalty to win it in the 95th minute. So it wasn't a convincing win, but... The bullshit penalty call, too, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it was fucking bullshit. Um, go look it up if you guys haven't seen it. But I'm looking at their starting lineup here. They played John Stones as a right back, Jao Cancelo as a left back. Um, and uh, they didn't start Erling Holland, so he was able to get a rest. I don't think he started in, during uh, the Champions League either. And with that being said, Phil Foden didn't start as well. So they're two best attacking players this season by far. It's not even debatable um, outside of De Bruyne. They both sit out. They get their rest that they need. Do you think Man City puts out a rotated side? Or, I mean, like, what kind of team are you expecting to see them put out? I mean, regardless, they're going to put out a strong team, but Pep does have a tendency to play some of the younger players um, whenever he can. Very interesting. I Like, logic would suggest that if he's going to rest these players for one, two matches in a row... He's probably resting them for this this draw, but <laughs> yeah, I I think I think silverware is way more important for City, and I think that they have the depth to keep up in all these competitions. So I wouldn't be surprised if they put out a, like a strong lineup. A strong lineup, I mean, does Erling Holland start? No. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. But I don't um, think so. Holland, I think De Bruyne, and Foden up. are the ones that I'm worried about. I don't think they start. I think that if the game is closed, they'll come in with fresh legs and then fucking then win. A new one. <laughs> yeah. Score like three oh. goals and yeah, because they then... they have the early kickoff on Saturday, so they have like the shortest amount of rest against Brentford, and we're talking as if they're already top of the table. Like they can't take their foot off the gas in the Premier League. And I think that's still the main one, right? Like, I I think, Hol- like, Julian, uh, Julian Alvarez will start over Holland. I think Riyad Mahrez will probably start. Yeah, he didn't start today, um, on Saturday, so he's definitely going to start. I mean, Gundogan, like, the fact that Gundogan is probably their backup in midfield, he'll probably start. Um, he played a full 90 or at least like I, I he came off during extra time in that game. I'm looking at the thing at the the sheet right now. I mean they don't. They, that's the thing. Like their midfield is is a little stacked. Th- it's stacked, but like I don't know if KDB starts right. So it could be like Gundogan, Silva, and Rodri, for example. Just like KDB is just not part of it. Or they sit 
Gundogan and, and Rodri starts. Like it, it all kind of just it can all just kind of go left and right. The defense, the fact that Manuel Akanji is their backup, like the Akanji and Ake. Akanji and Ake are their backups, I think, right now, which is insane. Ake's been really, really good for them this year, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they all have. That's the thing. The front three, what, Jack Grealish, Riyad Mahrez, and Julian Alvarez, like, that's their team, too. Like, it's not going to be easy by any means. No, no. But didn't they they also have a kid that scored in the Champions League, too? Cole Palmer? Is that who scored? I don't think it was Palmer. They had someone in the Champions League that scored for them. I think you're thinking of Julian Alvarez, but... No, no, no. He was yeah. a, he was an academy. Lewis, kid. Lewis, some kid with the last name Lewis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I mean, maybe he gets a start. He he started in a Champions League. But this game really? here's the thing: Rico like Lewis. this game actually matters, though. So I do think that they're gonna put out, even if they put out their second team, like fuck us, <laughs> regardless. <laughs> Honestly, For man, just better phrasing, just, I guess. I focused, I just want to yeah. see them try harder than this game, like. We know it's City. We know, like, backs against the wall. I just want to see a little bit more cohesion in this game. Like, at least tell me that there's, like, a plan. Because that once once Kai fucked up too many chances, the plan went out the fucking window in this one. So, again, I really... If it comes down to predictions, I think we're going to lose 2-0. I don't know. <laughs> I don't care. I just want to beat Newcastle. It'll be a win in my books if we put up a fight and nobody got injured. Against Newcastle? No, 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 no. I'm talking tomorrow oh, okay. or Wednesday, okay, okay. excuse me. Just, just get through that game. Mm-hmm. I thought this uh, game was Wednesday. Pre- anyway, game Wednesday. Is, I just I think 2 0 loss. 2 0 loss, and I'm hoping for no injuries. Okay. <laughs> so uh, um can you give us a more optimistic prediction please no i cannot i'm sorry <laughs> zach uh i think i mean it's not my thinking but i think the reasonable and probably the thinking of the board and of potter is that Let's get out of this cup. If if we play the young guys in advance, awesome. If we play the young guys and we lose, that's cool too. Less matches we have to worry about midweek. I don't see us winning this, Zach. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Andreas. My two predictions: two nil. Pray for no injuries. I'm I'm done with the two two draw thing. By the way, it's not working anymore. I'm going to say fuck both of you guys. I think Chelsea Shut wins the 2-1. Oh, my God. I think Who's going to score? Are you naive? naive? optimistic one here. All right? Naive is the better word. What illusional might be also a little accurate. We'll, get a, we'll get a set-piece goal from one of our center backs. Oh, yeah. We have we scored so many set-piece goals this year. How many, <laughs> how many set-pieces have you seen Thiago Silva score in three years, Sam? He's done it. Trevor yeah. Chalabino. Don't doubt him. I'm I'm gonna go two one. I one of us needs to predict the fucking win. It's a Chelsea. I don't think podcast. Thiago Silva is starting midweek. Just saying, like my prediction. Sure, I'll add to it. Koulibaly's gonna start, not not Thiago Silva. Okay, then Koulibaly. 
Let's give it to Kulu. Let's do it. Koulibaly's going to get his second career goal for Chelsea Football Club on Wednesday Hell against yeah. Manchester City in the Carabao Cup at the Etihad Stadium. Um, Hell yeah. it's going down, baby. If you're not following us on Twitter, make sure you already are, or make sure you are, rather, um, at Blues on Parade. We do record an episode after every single match, and we also post the questions tweet on our Twitter. So if you're looking to get um, shouted out on the podcast or